0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Hello and welcome to Squawk Here are your headlines today. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon tells CBC exclusively that U.S. stocks could double their losses on the year, sending equities deeper into the red during the Wall Street session.
2: But it, it could it could be another easy 20 percent and uh, I, you know, I think like the next 20 percent will be much more painful than the first. Rates going up another 100 basis points are a lot more painful than the first 100 because people aren't used to it and you know, um, and I think negative rates when all is said and done will, will be a, have been a complete failure
1: a slump in semiconductor stock sends the nasdaq to a two-year low the selling continues in asia as chip giants in taiwan japan and south korea react to new u.s action against china
0: president biden vowing to deliver more air defense systems to kiev after russian missile strikes uh, hit cities across ukraine killing 14 and damaging key civilian infrastructure And UK gilts along with other bonds globally coming under renewed pressure after separate moves by the Bank of England and the UK Chancellor fail to quell concerns over Prime Minister Liz Truss's high growth economic strategy. Well, a good interview makes you think. It makes you ask more questions. It doesn't leave you thinking, ah, that is the answer. And Juliana, who joins us now, good morning to you. Good morning. Chopped to the system late night last night, getting up (laughs) early this morning, but it was worth it because you have conducted a fantastic interview uh, with, I believe, one of the most important business in, uh, men in finance, and uh, that is Jamie Dimon. So well done. I already have questions for you, <laughs> including not does he just think that stocks will come down, but is that his base case scenario mm. as well? But we'll get to that in a few moments' time because the aforementioned CEO of JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, has told CNBC. Juliana, in an exclusive interview that U.S. equities could face much steeper losses this year and that the American economy could sink into recession within the next six to nine months. I've already interviewed you. So uh, I interviewed you, introduced (laughs) you even. So just take it away. So um, how long did you speak to Jamie Dimon for?
3: We had about 25 minutes for this right. interview that good. we are uh, going to play some clips from. seems longer you've got
0: more lines out of it than I can possibly imagine, so it's very interesting.
3: He had a lot to say, as always. And as you said, if you're going to listen to one person in finance, he's certainly a good one. He's got some big views, and he's got some good insight running J.P. Morgan into how the U.S. economy is doing. Yeah. Um, so, I kicked things off by asking about the state of the U.S. economy and what his read was, um, given how much exposure he has to the, the U.S. economy. I also asked him if he was seeing any signs of distress in the credit markets. Take a listen to what he had to say.
2: You see early signs of distress. So you saw it, I mean, this again is fairly typical. You know, markets go down for you know, people forecast the economy, et cetera. The IPO market closes first, that's kind of happened. High yield closes second, and structured credit, that's kind of happened for the most part. You know, things can get done, and then it starts to affect other credit. You saw the gilt markets here, you see a lack of liquidity in a lot of markets. A lot of uh, intermediaries can't intermediate like we used to because of regulations. It is going to happen. And I think the, uh, the likely place you're gonna see more of a crack and maybe a little bit more of a panic is in credit markets. And it might be ETFs, it might be a country, it might be something I don't suspect. If you make a list of all the prior crises sitting here, we would not have predicted where they came from. Though I think you can predict this time that it probably will happen. And so I'd be, if I was out there, I'd be very cautious. If you need money, go raise it.
3: What about stock markets? Where do you see the trough for the S&P
2: 500? Oh, I don't know. You know, look, it it, it may have a ways to go. I mean, it, it really depends on that soft landing, hard landing thing, and since I don't know the answer to that, it's hard for me to answer that. But it, it, could, it could be another easy 20%. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think like the next 20% will be much more painful than the first. Rates going up another 100 basis points are a lot more painful than the first 100 because people aren't used to it. And, you know, um, and I think negative rates when all is said and done will, will be, a com- have been a complete failure.
3: As I said, I also asked Jamie Dimon for his view on the U.S. economy more broadly.
2: So I think you got to put two things in mind here. Currently, right now, the U.S. economy is actually still doing well. Consumers have money. You know, fiscal stimulus, they still have more than they had before. They're spending 10% more than last year, 35% more than pre-COVID. Their balance sheets are in great shape. Yes, debt's gone up a little bit, but not nearly to pre-COVID levels. And therefore, even if we go into recession, they're going to be in much better shape than 08 and 09. Companies are in good shape. Credit's very good. Uh, markets are still open, though, rocky and stuff like that. But you, gotta, you, you can't talk about the economy without talking about the stuff in the future, and this is serious stuff, OK? This is inflation, which obviously is you know, changing the effect of those numbers I just told you about. It's rates going up more than people expected already, and probably a little bit more from here. It's QT, which we've never had before. Uh, so therefore, the unknown effects, and you see it today in bond markets around the world, and sovereign markets, and people selling U.S. Treasury debt. And it's the war. And these are very, very serious things, which I think are likely to push the US uh, and the world. I mean, Europe is already in recession, and they're likely to put US in some kind of recession six, nine months from now.
3: If we do see the US go into recession, how severe do you expect it to be? And how long do you expect it could last?
2: Yeah, well, this is the thing no one ever really knows, right? You do have a strong consumer going into it. Businesses are in pretty good shape, but they were amazingly resilient during COVID. You know, even the ones that, that had no government support and stuff, stuff like that. And I think governments did do a hell of a job getting the thing to recover. So we don't know. I mean, you, you have, now you have to look at the range of outcomes. It can go from, you know, very mild to quite hard. And and a lot will, will you know, rely on what happens to this war. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, to guess is hard, be prepared. And, and, and But the one guarantee which we've been consistent about is volatile markets. You're going to have volatile markets. You've already seen markets down quite a bit, no IPOs, very little high yield, bridge loans being hung and stuff like that, which is pretty typical, but it's still been orderly. I think it's possible you're going to see it be disorderly sometime in not not too near future.
3: How do you think the Fed is doing in managing this whole situation?
2: Well, let me give them credit for what they did in COVID. And I hate to second guess people because I think it's easy for everyone to do. In hindsight, you know, they waited too long and did too little, and QT should have started soon and all that, but they're clearly catching up. They're clearly motivated to catch up, and you know, from here, we let's all wish them success. and Keep our fingers crossed that they, that they managed to slow down the economy enough that it doesn't you know, cause it, whatever it is is mild, and it's possible. I wouldn't take that off. I think the, like I said, the far more serious thing is this war, far more serious than the short-term effect of the economy and things like that.
3: So a wide-ranging conversation with Jamie Dimon and Steve, I'll come back to your question initially about what his base case is for markets. Yeah. Um, I asked him if he had a view on where the S&P 500 would trough and he effectively said I don't know. That well, he is- said
0: I don't know, but he went there straight away, maybe 20% low. He didn't say I don't know, maybe we're here. He said I don't know, but maybe another 20%. So. That's not necessarily his base case, and I am sure, I don't know what his base case is, but that's fascinating. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. The fact that he went there so quickly, it was almost as if you could walk away when he said, I don't know, okay, maybe he's not going to give us a view. But he jumped so swiftly to saying it could be easily another 20% lower from here. And then perhaps even more interesting, he said that the next 20% would be much more painful. Um, and so that was interesting, so, I think, so in terms of positioning.
0: So I think what he said is... It's testament to what he knows from his experience rather than all, dare I say, a lot of people say, we are definitely moving here. We are definitely doing this. I can tell you now we are going to parity on the pound. Or I can tell you now He's saying, look, I don't know, but it could easily do this. And I think that is much more worth listening to than some of the geniuses who come on CNBC globally who tell us exactly what's going on. He's saying, I don't know. And I think that's candid and correct at these moments in time. I, I agree that the point's about the next... Uh, 20% and the next bit of the market phase going disorderly from orderly that is that is the really interesting point as well.
1: Can I pivot given nobody else is at this point to central banks um, most notably not pivoting I want to come to the recession comment six mm. to nine months you start telling that up we're talking about the second quarter of next year March through to roughly June and if you think about what the Fed and what the assumptions are around uh, the central bank is that you get to the terminal rate of 4.5% possibly higher by March next year so right up to the point at which Jamie Dimon is saying we could be seeing a recession. Just give us a sense of how bad he thought that landing would be, because that's been the dominating factor. If we go into recession, fine. How hard is that landing? Absolutely. And, and I asked him, do you expect, therefore, the Fed to have to cut rates
3: next year? And again, he started out, to your point, saying maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, if there is a recession and it gets really bad and inflation is coming down, they would probably cut rates. But, of course, the outcome is unclear from here. One point he was really strong on with regards to the economic outlook was Europe, saying that Europe is already in a recession and that they're getting the energy situation completely wrong. And Europe is in this position, it should so have been predictable. Europe
0: getting wrong in the energy situation? That's very interesting.
3: To date, they have been wrong about their energy policy. And he thinks at the outset that the U.S could have stepped up February, late February, when Russia invaded Ukraine. That was the time for the US to step up and increase the uh, amount of uh, gas that they were producing and link up with Europe more. So very strong that Europe has been wrong so far and that uh, the whole approach from the US to this situation that they, they are actually the marginal producer
1: here and should have been doing more. Fascinating though that he sees heavy lifting from the U.S. because there are now concerns over the next few months what happens stateside whether there's enough product to meet domestic usage in that northeast corner so uh, that does put a huge question mark over the future of Europe if he thinks already the policy, policy mistake has happened and we're yet still not at the end of the road at this point.
3: Yes that was exactly the point that the, you know, the mistake has already happened and where do we go from here because to your point The U.S. now can't instantly ramp up production, so effectively pointing somewhat of a finger of blame to the Biden administration and their efforts so far. And this has been something he's talked about in a private setting as well, in terms of private companies, that the wrong approach is to stop investment in oil and gas. The right approach to ultimately energy security from here is to continue investing in oil and gas at both the country level and
1: in terms of companies. Can I I ask a little bit about the US consumer? Because this was one of the big questions I had in my mind. You know, we've seen uh, debt markets show some sense of a wobble, that there's some distortion, dysfunction going on, at least on this side of the world. The other component here is obviously business consumer. How are they doing? We've had so many interest rate increases stateside. There's more to come. And that is a very difficult environment to try and weather. How does he feel as though they're managing to, to get through this storm on the rate side? Well,
3: to me, this was the number one question to ask him, given his exposure and his uh, insight into the U.S. consumer. He said they're in pretty good shape right now. And when he started out his answer to the question how the U.S. is doing, I thought it was going to be an upbeat conversation uh, because he said the U.S. economy is actually doing pretty well. Consumers have money. They have a lot of money from the fiscal um, support that was put forward during COVID. They're spending more and their balance sheets are in great shape. Yes, debt is a little bit higher than it was, but not nearly where we were pre-COVID. That was his take. So to me, his view was around uh, what could happen from here. And he put a huge amount of emphasis on the war as being a major risk factor and something that will continue driving inflation and driving down growth. So let's
0: go back to the stock market as well. We have um, JP Morgan's numbers, which of course you won't be allowed to have asked him about (laughs) because they are due on Friday, I understand, which is uh, the ringing of the bell at the start of the earnings season as well. It's going to be, I don't think, about the numbers themselves in the earnings season. I think we already know, as ever that it's called down to beat. And I'll make a prediction here that roughly 70% of companies will beat expectations. That isn't much of a prediction, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. That is just how it goes with the earnings season. You call it down, and miraculously, 70% of you beat it. But it's the outlook that's very important. And I don't think it's the outlook for the fourth quarter as well. I think people are assuming an earnings recession Mm Uh, in the third and fourth quarters, if you strip out energy, funnily enough you're talking about energy, if you strip out energy and the gains we're getting from that sector in the current earnings season, strip that out, we're already looking at a negative figure expected from the S&P 500 in terms of earnings. But it's Q1 and Q2 for next year, which I think is absolutely, dare I say it, pivotal, using that word again as well. Uh, Any idea on the strength of the US corporates from your interview?
3: So there were uh, a lot of bankers at this conference. It was a tech conference that we were speaking to Jamie Dimon at. And um, we had one of the executives from ECM on the program yesterday on street signs. And they made no qualms about it that the market has dried up in ECM. They're seeing extremely low levels of activity. Daniel Sorry, Pinto, what's
0: ECM, European Capital Markets?
3: equity, capital, equity markets. capital markets. Yes. Right, so yeah. obviously the IPO Describe market you has you dried do. up. Like
0: me, don't know every action out
3: there. <laughs> um, it, so equity capital markets has um, clearly suffered as companies haven't come to market the way they have before. Um, we had the Porsche IPO come, which many thought maybe that would open up markets again. My sense speaking to people in and around the conference and hearing from Daniel Pinto, one of the um, top executives at J.P. Morgan, oh a couple of weeks ago, IB is definitely okay. in a rut. All right,
0: Let's unpack what you just said. Uh, and you, Absolutely extraordinary. You you said, and and again, I I, I don't dispute the veracity of anything you've been told at this as well. We thought that the Porsche IPO would open up other capital markets. So let me get this right an asset that comes to market at the right price that is seen as a quality stock with quality cash flow and quality product and quality prospects going forward is priced correctly on its ipo and has a very successful ipo so then the bankers out there expect all the um the other i don't know i was trying to think of a a nice word of putting it without splitting this early morning all the other issues out there which aren't necessarily quality product at a quality price. They expect that all to be um, brought up. The flotsam mm. brought up with the rising tide that has been created by Porsche. That is an astounding statement. How about we don't get handled all the rubbish at the wrong price mm. on equity markets that have basically uh, done the rounds on the venture capital, done the rounds on private equity, mm. done the rounds on the unicorn financing, and suddenly get to equity markets at an extraordinary price. How about we don't get offered that on the public markets? Uh, just, just a word for our banker friends out there.
3: Well, I would say that this was a question I put to several over the course Good. of the night and on street signs recently recently, are we gonna see valuations, especially in the tech sector, return to where we did after we get through this you know, downturn in the cycle? And the universal response is no. Because we've suddenly priced capital correctly in ECM and elsewhere. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think it's not long ago that all of us were pushing back against these valuations should these companies have the runway that they've been given to reach profitability and there was so much pushback to that for months and years and now you do see bankers across the board sort of capitulating saying no no valuations are probably not going to return they were a bit frothy even though at the time it was very hard to find a banker admit that that was the case. Perhaps
1: I should have just watched Squawk Box. I mean we were talking about the fact that Porsche was a standalone one-of-its-kind type of business and it was very hard to mimic that and put sort of some aspirations as to everything else wedged in the IPO pipeline, that it would have ramifications. I mean, we pointed out that very fact early on. But I just want to come back to... Some of the distortions in markets, and clearly the U.S. dollar strength is one of them. This is something we've been contending with, has seen the impact on emerging markets. We know it's going to be featuring some of the earnings as well. Depending on which side of the pond you're in, it could be a positive or could be a massive negative here. There was some griping that maybe it's going to be bad for some of the big industrial stateside. That suddenly they're looking a lot less competitive at this point. What was his view on some of that strength in the U.S. dollar and just the impact across markets at this stage? Well, we uh, we talked more broadly about where he was seeing
3: pockets of stress, and clearly that is um, one of the effects of a strong dollar, depending on where you look around the world. And he said that I think the likely place you're going to see a crack, maybe a little bit more of a panic, is in credit markets. So, you know, not directly in, in answer to your question, but when he looks around the world and looking for pockets of distress, where we might see another Lehman moment, um, could be in credit markets. So that was sort of where he he guided me at the time. It might be ETFs, he said, it might be a comp- country, um, it might be something suspect. So, in terms of where to keep an eye out for risk hotspots, that was his yeah, advice. It's
1: it's a a well-known response, uh, because we're often looking over here and sometimes it's over here where you get the shock from. So, it's great to have the focus of exactly what he's looking at. Really? I think we've seen it on credit markets to an extent. I mean, we've seen the gilt market uh, turn tail. We've had yeah. massive issues requiring central bank intervention. There are some concerns around the pricing in corporate debt as well. So, yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, point.
0: I think we're, 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 we're aware of some of the ETF stresses, aren't we, at the moment? I mean, again, an unnamed manager of an ETF at the moment, I noticed, was once again penning a letter to the Federal Reserve, an open letter, well, explaining that how...
1: said, can I just say, last time we had a big market event, which was 2020, March 2020, those ETFs held up okay. So all of us who've been asking questions for many, many years in the lead-up said, oh, well, maybe we were wrong. Maybe there was no reason to be concerned. But if there's another market event, and then you see some of those issues crop up, and perhaps we were oh. actually right. Right. maybe we we just didn't see it during one particular crisis because it was a different type of crisis you get a, a typical market event that involves credit markets as well maybe those ETFs that we have concerns about do actually flash warning signals
0: okay you want um, to say something no no I, I, I think that there have been warning signs about certain parts of the ETF market and the synthetic creation of the underlying product rather than actually vanilla holding of the asset as well I think there have been warning signs for quite a while
1: We are going to leave it at that for now, but uh, Juliana, thank you very much for fleshing out the detail for us. And for more on Jamie Dimon's warning that the US will likely tip into recession in six to nine months, you can check out an exclusive interview on cnbc.com. And you can see that interview in full this weekend on a special edition of the CNBC Conversation.
0: Uh, Coming up on the show, JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon defends the US decision to restrict technology exports to China. We'll have more on this after the break. And for more on... Diamonds recession warning, check out cnbc.com.
1: really big complex week for investors stateside as they gear up for trade. Earnings coming out and as we were just discussing, the outlook clearly a concern as well as downgrades that they may see near or medium term. The markets are looking forward to the inflation number on Thursday as well. Significant concerns about the macroeconomic environment we just heard from Jamie Dimon about potential for recession in six to nine months time. But of course the Fed what it's going to do at its imminent meeting, whether we're still moving by another 75 basis points, jumbo sized hike, that is a, another dominant feature for markets. But on top of that, uh, tech issues, we've seen uh, flare up. Concerns around further regulation in the chip sector. That was uh, one of the bigger uh, areas of the market that fell 1% down on the NASDAQ that uh, was representing some of that tech sell-off. But across the board, you can see uh, we did have a pullback on the major indices. Energy, one of the real underperformers too as we talk about the outlook. Uh, let's just take a look at those chip makers up close and you can see the extent of the damage. 33 of NVIDIA. We fell 3% of Western Digital Intel down 2%, Qualcomm falling 5.2%, some of the deepest falls, along with Broadcom down almost 5%. A look at those Asian markets picking up on this lead and it is a week-old session. Don't forget uh, the Treasury markets out of action for Columbus Day, but uh, some of the resumption of trade we've seen that uh, Treasury is following gilt markets. There was a big concern about what was playing out in uh, the broader credit markets and I think that's another layer on top as we talk about the geopolitics and the trade issues now. So. The impact of that tech story clearly been felt across on these uh, Asian markets, the big tech heavy indices the Hang Sang Index and also the Japanese stock market, the Nikkei 225, those markets down the most, which explains the extent of some of the falls that we are seeing uh, across the region. Let me take you directly to some of those big name stocks. TSMC, you can see down 7.8%, uh, a little bit less up SK Hynix, Samsung Electronics down 1.6%. So uh, clearly a long shadow coming through from those U.S. markets on the back of the chip story. Well, JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon has defended the U.S government's new restrictions on technology exports to China. Speaking to Juliana, Diamond said every country is responsible for its own supply chain security, but stressed he does not expect a full decoupling between the world's two largest economies.
2: Every nation, particularly after Ukraine, is going to look at what its own national security is. So it could be energy supply, it could be food supply, it could be you know, technology transfer. So if you're giving technology tra- or unfair trade, because that could also be a difficult thing. You know, every nation can take unilateral actions on that. China takes plenty of unilateral actions and does things differently than America. America is going to do that. America has the right to do that. Again, I just think it should be done very thoughtfully, very clearly, uh, uh, very respectfully. But, you, you know, we do need to focus on issues that we didn't do a particularly good job at for years.
3: What is it like as a lender and in terms of... This issue and this decoupling we're seeing between the us and China, are you caught in the middle?
2: Yeah, not really. I think I think it won't be a decoupling. I think it'll be a restructuring. I think it'll also take a long time. so companies are doing it regardless of government actions, governments are taking actions over time there'll be a restructure and you know and obviously we you know whenever it comes to government matters, we follow the United States government or the British government, you know they set certain rules and guidelines, not JP Morgan. so it may cause consternation issues but we'll We'll just have to deal with that.
0: Uh, Jamie Diamond, there, um, who we may or may not have interviewed yesterday. Um, I think we did. Um, Look, there's a lot going on here as well, and it isn't one or t'other. And I think we can all agree to be fairly pragmatic on the whole host of reasons why the chip stocks are under so much pressure at the moment. Now, we don't need to, dig too deep into the geopolitical situation between China and the US as well. We know that there are long-standing sores between the two as well, plus the fact, dare I say it, you've got the CCP going on at the moment, the the, the, the potential um, third term for President Xi, and you've got midterms coming up in the United States in November as well, uh, which is just upon us. So, you know, there was a lot of political tension for domestic reasons on both sides of the Pacific. But also, I want to just expand this and say, there's a lot going on in chip world itself, i.e. the the supply response to the problems has come back, uh, plus the fact that a lot of them were deemed, as as you've said previously about as growth stocks, so that the valuations are changing there. So this isn't just about the geopolitics, it's about at least the combination of, well, those three things, plus the repricing of money for this sector as well. And when I look at a stock like Nvidia, which is one of those Titanic stocks, which it it was at its high Three hundred and forty six dollars just over a year just under a year ago, twenty second of November. Right. It is now trading a hundred and sixteen. So The valuations on this sector, somebody's got it very, very badly wrong in terms of what they expected the supply response to be, the geopolitics to be, the repricing of money to be, and indeed the repricing of growth in the United States.
1: So a couple of points. It feels as though this is a continuation of an ongoing story around a trade war that effectively started under the previous president. But I think it's worth extracting that the type of policy we're now seeing, this announcement from Joe Biden, is effectively the potential changes are the largest in terms of exporting technology to china since the 1990s so we are talking about a dramatic moment in history when it comes to technology i think it's worth pointing that out it's not just a little bit more of the same narrative so it is quite a strong policy decision here so what are the ramifications well they could be fairly broad if you think about the last uh, several months we've had a lot of big chip makers making decisions to invest more money in particular plants particular sites stateside One of the rules was that if you're going to invest uh, in this plant, if you're going to get money from the United States, and don't forget these are very expensive projects, then you couldn't export that product to the Chinese market. So very specific rules and regulations going up. But I think it has ramifications too for Europe. If you think about another sector, and I think this is the comparison, um, energy security. The US is going for chip security here and perhaps chip insecurity for another nation, that being China. Where does that leave Europe? Europe needs to have chip security as well. Because but will be is isolated problem, from
0: that US decision, will no, it, but it again, will be a...
1: But again, it's your own country first. If you get to another situation down the track where there's a supply and demand imbalance and everybody needs chips for key industries, then I can tell you some of those uh, restrictions or product will be hard to come by down the track. So I think we've learned that lesson now and I think Europe is very much on the page too that they need to have chip security. If we're going to be using chips in every single thing that we use effectively that is powered up is going to be connected and using a chip. Then we need to make sure we've got enough chips in future. I think that's one of the issues we're seeing right now. How much more do we need to invest? How much supply needs to come into your own domestic market to compensate for shortages in future? And I think this is a, a huge directional change. You've we're got seeing another the technology conference
0: coming up soon? I think you have I you? do.
1: It is Web Summit. And already we're hearing that perhaps it won't be uh, flooded with the same amount of technology executives as previous ones. Why? That's interesting. Well, every time the cycle is down, a little bit downbeat, you yeah. have executives that are scrambling to try and fix their own business. And they're just not as optimistic, so they don't really want to turn up. Do you know what? At I think the first time I hear that. And 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 say, and oh look, our conditions are not as great as they we were a couple of years ago. Wasn't this sector
0: supposed to transcend cyclical moves in the underlying economy? Wasn't yeah, the growth coming from from us all moving, as you just said, to more chips in everything? Wasn't that supposed to? transcend all these things. I this, mean, we did point trends. out
1: that a lot of these models were linked to advertising models. That was, There was a consumer business underlying wow. some of these trends, but uh, we've had a lot of pushback over the years. That, that, that's we? amazing.
0: So advertising, model <laughs> well, that's a brand new one. I haven't heard that <clears throat> before the dot-com bubble burst. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.